0: Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve.
1: Uh, My name is David. I am a sexaholic. And I said I uh, came into this program, and that is uh, so far uh, today, still my sobriety date in August 2nd, 1988. And um, I was thinking about uh, tools for the maintenance of sobriety, and there are a lot of things. So I've been doing this program for 30 years and 10 months, I guess, something. And and there are a lot of tools, but probably the most fundamental one, um, not the most fundamental, a fundamental one is that I forget this entire program at midnight every night. Um, And then at 1201, I get a chance to renew it. And so um, this is, you know, for newcomers or new members or something, I, I try to keep the perspective of being a new member um every day some days i do better than others and um and just i have to remind myself and it's because i have a mental illness i didn't sign up for this illness It's just the one i ended up with and um and i can definitely make my life worse anytime i want i'm checking my lighting here too (laughs) i was trying to move toward the microphone but it makes me look even weirder um i um um have to renew my commitment every day if I want today what I had yesterday. Bill Wilson was the founder of a co-founder of AA was asked, uh, "Bill, do you think you'll ever drink again?" and he said, "I can't make that commitment. I don't know. What I do know is that if I do today what I did yesterday. I won't drink again today." And and that's uh, sort of been a guiding star for me. Um the other thing that happened was um In terms of uh, tools for maintenance of sobriety, um, in step six in the twelve steps and twelve traditions, it says the only step we have to work perfectly is step number one. Uh, We admitted, and it's the first word is we, of course. We admitted we were powerless over lust and our lives had become unmanageable. And it was in the afternoon of August first, nineteen eighty-eight, when my wife had had a nervous breakdown the night before and wanted a divorce and. We went to see a counselor we had met with a couple of times, uh, for, fortunately, and um, she um, met with us each privately, uh, separately as well as together. And when I was meeting with her and, and said, "Well, I guess I'm just a guy who needs to be sexually involved with more than one woman at a time, uh, Marzan, it was her name, Marzanne looked at me and said, "Oh, you're a sex addict." <laughs> and it was kind of <laughs> like, "Oh." <laughs> And, um, in the white book, Roy talks about the cover of time magazine in July of 1974 about the new addictions. And when I first read that, um, I, I knew there was something in it for me. Uh, I read it and I saved it and I haven't found it in recent years. I found it about three years ago and I haven't found it again, but it's somewhere in my files. And, um, and so I knew at that point there was something about sexual addiction was one of the new addictions uh, that was mentioned in that article. And and as I said, Roy mentions it in the white book. And um, it was 14 years later, though, when I was finally ready. And when I was finally ready, I didn't know this. Of course, at the time, two things had happened on August 1st, 1988. Uh, one was the night before when my wife was falling apart I had become totally speechless, and I, I was in an occupation, I'm retired now, I was in an occupation where talking was my living, that's what I did, and, um, and being speechless was not my norm, <laughs> so, and yet uh, what I realized was I had no response to what she was saying. I, I'd run out of excuses, I'd run out of diversions, I'd run out of deceptions and lies, um, I was literally speechless. I thought that was a problem. It turned out to be it saved my life. Um, The other thing that happened was uh, not even 24 hours later um, when Marzanne said, well, you're a sex addict. And and I knew she was correct. And the memory of that Time magazine article and people I had read about in the newspapers uh, since then, uh, there was a treatment center outside Minneapolis in a little suburb called Golden Valley. And I knew someone who had gone to that and come back. Um, as soon as she said that, I knew that that, that was me. And um, so what was I going to do about it? Well, she handed me a phone number. And, um, and that's not another one of the fundamental tools for sobriety. And that is um, the first word of the steps is we. There is, is not one of my choices to be sober alone. I can pretend Lots of people do. Uh, people tell me all the time, I have so much sobriety. Well, if that was on your list of choices, you wouldn't need SA. <laughs> so I, people call me up and say, I can't get sober. And I always say, you're absolutely right, because if you could get sober, you wouldn't come to this silly program and put up with our, all of our sort of stuff. That's not, I don't really believe all that. But the point is, the illusion that I can sobriety, I can make myself sober, uh, well, as it says, um, on, I think it's on page 30 or 31 in the, a big book, it has to be smashed. And um, and that's uh, it just doesn't work. It'd be nice if it did, I suppose. I'm sure there are people, well, that's not true. I'll speak more directly. I've seen many, many people over the years come to SA, um, work the steps, um, perhaps, or work some fraction of the steps anyway, and they actually get much better and they leave. And I'm so happy for them because apparently they're not sexaholics. Um, and I would not wish this disease on anybody. Uh, I truly wouldn't. And I just happened, as I said, it's the one I happen to have. And so um, I um, always wish them well and send them on their way. And if if they are sexaholics, hopefully they'll come back. Uh, the big book makes it very clear. We should never say or do anything that would keep someone from coming back when they're ready. And And I accept that. I think that's good advice. And I try to follow it. Uh, But in fact, um, Marzan gave me a phone number. I called it. And then there was uh, probably my third miracle. The first miracle was running out of words the night before. The second miracle was being told I was a sex addict and knowing she was right. And the third miracle was I got a call back in about half an hour. Um, Here in Portland, if we get a, if someone gets a call back in two or three days, it's doing pretty well. I'm not proud of that. That's just the way it is. And, uh, but fortunately, all our information is on the web, so we're not denying anybody access to meetings. And I went to my first meeting that night of August 2nd, 1988, and um, it was all guys that particular night. Uh, we actually, at that time in Nashville, had probably about 30% women. Um, it's changed over the years. It hasn't been that in quite a while. But um, the appeal to women of SA has always been, been present, at least in my time in SA. And um, and the people talked in that meeting about getting drunk on lust and getting drunk on masturbation. And as soon as I, and fantasy too, and as soon as I heard the reference to getting drunk, that was I guess that's not so much a miracle as that's when I really identified for the first time. I, I, there were more things coming right away, but um, because I knew I got drunk, um, I'd never used that label. But because of my occupation, I had been around AA for many years, and um, and I knew the base, I knew the twelve steps. I had had a big book for years. As a matter of fact. Uh, I never read it, <laughs> I try, periodically I would try to find the steps, which are always buried on page 58. And um, and I knew that uh, getting drunk was exactly what happened to me, um, and it was between my ears, and, and um, that made a lot of sense to me. And then the other thing that happened is we have in our reading The Solution, I don't know if it's used as much in Israel as it is here, um, the last line of it is we were making the real connection. We were home. And, and that it was either that first meeting or the second meeting the next day, but I think it was the first meeting where I just started crying. Um, I had uh, felt that I didn't have a place that I belonged um, in, in the world, in my body, in family, wherever, uh, since I was six years old. Um, and at that time, I was 42. So it had been a long time, and I just uh, was really moved um, to tears, literally, um, by the thought of being home. Um, Another tool for sobriety, though, is implicit in everything I just shared. There's an AA speaker here in the United States named Johnny A., who talks about, uh, he's very colorful, he talks about a lot of things, but one of the things he talks about is that we all had a moment at which we knew the jig was up at which we knew that we had come to the end of what we were doing our own way. He said, as long as we remember that moment, we never have to go back to it. And if we forget that moment, we will go back to it. And That's what an addiction is. And and as soon as I heard that, was I was probably 10 years sober when I heard that. Nonetheless, it described me perfectly. That night of August 1st and then the day of August 2nd, um, I knew the jig was up. And I, I had a choice to make. I could always just go on doing the acting out, let, lose another marriage. It would have been my second marriage to end. I would have lost another batch of kids. Um, I had that choice or I could change my life. And for whatever reason, um, and I'll come back to that in just a second, for whatever reason, I was willing to change my life. And I talk about it frequently. Uh, I don't know. I think here in Portland, people probably get tired of hearing me say the same things. But one of the things that I have to say is that was the moment I knew the jig was up. And I don't want to ever forget it um, if I have any choice over it. I want to remember that I made a choice that night to change my life. And one day at a time, that's continued uh, since then. Another miracle, though, that happened, and uh, for this, I can never be sufficiently grateful. By the way, that was a woman in. Our meetings and she co-founded SA in Nashville with Harvey um, uh, and Jean would always end her shares for what I mean her qualification with for which I can never be sufficiently grateful. Um, it turned out Nashville had six meetings a week um, and I knew enough from AA to know as I said I'm not alcoholic but I was around it a lot um, to know that I needed to go to 90 meetings in 90 days so I could go to six meetings, but the seventh meeting, which happened to be a Sunday night, um, there was no SA meeting at that time. And so I would go to another fellowship, SAA as it happened, uh, that had been founded actually by the guy that I mentioned had been in the newspaper having gone to Golden Valley. Uh, He was front page story. And, um, And so I went to that meeting and I've always been grateful that SAA was there. What I didn't know to be grateful for is that at that time, Nashville had six meetings a week and for SA, and that was the most in the world per capita. Uh, I just There were a few more meetings, not many, but a few more meetings in Los Angeles, but there are also about 15 times as many people living there. Um, and I just happened to, you know, I was brought to just a chance to have sobriety if I chose it uh, in the place that had more meetings. So to be talking to your meeting and, and looking at you and, and, uh, and thinking about talking. I'm just, my wife and I were at the Jerusalem International and uh, it was just such a spectacular experience. And then this past January, we were in Madrid for the International <laughs> and, and both places, Jerusalem and Madrid, we are just so grateful to have been there. Um, and also to see Sexology Anonymous and Essanon flourishing uh, in their own way. I mean, it's always God's program after all. Um, but one day at a time so an awful lot happened just in those first two days some of it I did some of it was just I call them miracles just because it's as good a word as any to describe how wonderful it was and um then I, I our sobriety definition um how's my time Daniel by the way you you got a good uh, another five minutes or so I okay I'm watching a clock up here too um um, I did started going, we did add a Saturday meeting, um, um, and I started going uh, to meetings every day unless I just had a direct conflict, which I made 77 meetings in 90 days. Today, after 30 years, I do best if I go to four to five meetings a week, so that's what I shoot for. Um, And the reason I go is I, I get hungry three times a day, so I eat, and I get spiritually hungry every day. So I feed myself somehow using the tools of our program and the basic tools for me, I'm trying to get back on the main subject here. Um, The basic tools for me are first of all, to remember it's we, be doing it alone is not on my list of choices if I want sobriety and recovery. Mm -hmm. Secondly, that this program was handed to us by Alcoholics Anonymous. Uh, Dr. Uh, Bob and Bill uh, got it going. It's when we, Sort of came into existence. We're doing this is our 40th anniversary, by the way, of SA um, uh, this year, 1919, and so it was uh, quite a few years after 1935 uh, when the um, when we got going. But as that Time magazine article 14 years before said, that, that all sorts of groups were forming up around the the 12 steps, and that's exactly what we were doing. And so, the, one of the many attractions to a, of AA to me, and, and not as an alcoholic, um, but as someone who's using the 12 steps, is that there's nothing in the AA big book, there's nothing in the 12 steps and 12 traditions, and then some of the other literature that's published, but those are the ones I use mostly, um, that isn't there because it works. That's That's the only filter. It's not an ideological filter, it's not a religious filter, it's not a sort of we, we know better than you kind of filter. Uh, I was talking with a friend this morning about the transition from the word in, in the chapter um, five of the uh, AA big book where, where the steps are. It says these steps are suggested as a program of action. Originally it was required as a program of action. And then they said, wait a minute, alcoholics or addicts are not going to take direction from anybody, <laughs> though we suggest them. But there are none of those suggestions that aren't there because they work. That's the filter for the program. And it's not based on, on socioeconomic. It's not based on religion, It's not, even though some people think it is. Uh, it's not based on anything other than if you do this, it'll work. Um, we have a magic sentence. Well, I, I promote. That's a more accurate phrase. A magic sentence for sobriety, which is a fundamental tool. And a guy wrote me this morning and said, the magic sentence works, and I wrote him back and I said, "Yes, the magic sentence works if you use it. I've never had it work once when I didn't use it." Um, mm-hmm. And the magic sentence is, "I surrendered you, God." and There are two variations on it: "I surrendered you, God, my right to have an erection or to be aroused. Either one is fine, and to be sexually responsive at all." And the "at all" is in italics, and um, and it just is. It's, it just takes the craziness out of me, uh, unless I don't do it. Then it doesn't work, and and so there tools that have been handed to us by AA and that we've modified or, you know, massaged for our own specific lust focus um, that we use over and over again. Um, So I use the AA Big Book. I use the 12 and 12. And what I've learned over the years, this wasn't original with me. It was a guy in Atlanta, Georgia, actually, Noel B., alcoholic, who said it on a tape. And I tried it and I was astounded. It actually worked. Another one of those things. You could try these tools, they work. And uh, and that was never read more than two physical pages a day in our literature. Uh, and that's turned out to be a wonderful guide. And over, it took me a long time, quite a few years, actually. I was doing the two pages. Uh, and reading two pages a day in the A. Big Book, the 12 Steps and 12 Traditions, Essay White Book, and Recovery Continues, which would be our four most basic pieces of literature, uh, takes about eight minutes. And the reality is I can actually devote about eight minutes a day to reading it's just not a big deal. Um, so that's one reason the length two pages makes the readings possible. And, and Real Connection, which is our meditation book, actually does well on that too. Uh, member Stories, um, the uh, Step Into Action book, same thing, uh, the two pages. And it took me many years, probably close to a decade, to realize that the reason that matters uh, is because if I read any more than two pages, I will start comparing how am I different from? How am I? You know? How is this program saying one thing and I'm doing another? Instead of identifying, and it's identification. It's one alcoholic listening to another. It's one sexaholic listening to another. That makes 12-step recovery work. That's really at the core. And and if we're not identifying, we're just going to miss it. And I feel very sad. I know lots of people who read don't read at all, or who read a lot at a time, and it, and they prove to me that. The two pages works uh, by the way sometimes when you're reading two physical pages one of them's blank one of them's only ha- half a page of text I was introducing this to a guy at the meeting a couple days ago Friday and um, and I showed him about reading two pages and I said if it's just a blank page or half a day guess what it's your lucky day and and just it's not a it's not a negative it's a positive thing um, <clears throat> The other um, tool is to, uh, it's a WE program to make calls uh, to come to meetings like this and have some guy from the United States jabbering at you for however many minutes, I think I'm up on time here, and and to just make that connection. And then another uh, basic tool to um, have a contract for sobriety, and actually Daniel has a copy of the contract. It's also in our book that's nothing but a book of tools called Practical Tools for Sobriety. Um, I was editor of the essay in the early 2000s, and that book came out of uh, my time there. And then I'm now editor again, so I, I, I edit the magazine that comes out uh, five times a year, uh, the essay. And, and that's just another source of literature and hopefully a bunch of practical tools. I want to respect the time and the time for questions. Um, since I have 30 years of inertia going here, I could go on a long time, and I think I'll just stop.
2: Um, could you describe your day vis-a-vis the 12 steps, waking up in the morning until you go to sleep at night? Just so a picture of that first?
1: That's a really good uh, question. Um, first of all, the third step prayer is so fundamental to my sobriety. And I do it so often that it rolls through my head throughout the night. Um, so when I wake up, I mean, it just does. I, I That sounds silly, I suppose, but I it's just there. Um, The other thing is at 2 AM, especially early on, hasn't been a problem in many years, uh, just because of my age, I'm 73 now. Um, But the magic sentence also, um, if I wake up and arouse, which usually means I need to go to the bathroom. uh, But in fact, um, it's very disturbing and the magic sentence works fine. So by the time sunrise rolls around, um, I've had those two things. And then one other, um, after active addiction, and any, this is true for any of our addictions, but I'll just say, sexual, sexual addiction, sexaholism. Um, the most difficult, devastating thing that can happen to us is lack of sleep. And so, one of the things by the time morning rolls around is, if I haven't gone to bed at a decent time, I'm just going to have a day of struggle. And I just resign myself to it. If I'm tired, I'm going to lust, is what I tell people. Um, and I tell people it's not a ninety-nine percent chance; it's a hundred percent chance, and that. Turns out to be useful not only in the morning when I'm waking up, but also uh, at night when I'm getting tired. I've had a busy day and I'm wondering why am I lusting? Why am I having these images? Why am I, you know, turning my head? Why? Whatever doesn't matter. It's because I'm tired. It's no more complicated than that. Um, I figure out. I did this many years ago, so now it's just a habit. I figure out when I need to get up to do the day's stuff, and I get up about 20 to 15 minutes before that time, and that's God's time. That's when I uh, would do my reading and do my prayers. My, right now, my wife and I walk every morning. So we actually have pushed that back a few minutes. I still take the time every morning um, on either side of our walk. But it, for many years, when I had just a regular occupation um, and I had a schedule that I was following, I, I would just, as I said, figure out when I need to get up to get the kids off to school and all that, and then get up uh, 15 to 20 minutes before that. Some people do more. Uh, that's just what worked for me. Uh, I do my readings, uh, the eight minutes of readings in the four books. Um, I do um, contract for sobriety. I commit my, it's it's longer than this, but the core of it is I commit myself to one more day of sexual sobriety, no sex with myself, no sex with any partner. And then if my wife and I are uh, being sexually active, except my wife, Jane is her name, except with Jane, or if we're in a celibate period, I commit myself to one more day of sexual sobriety, no sex with myself, no sex with any partner period. I'm not going to have sex with any partner. And that's fine. And then I have things I do on either side of the contract there that work. Um, I return phone calls that have come in overnight. Um, I make phone calls. Uh, For many years, I called Harvey every morning at 7.30 in the morning, uh, which was for no matter where I was in the world, literally. And um, that turned out to be very uh, useful because, well, it was useful to call him, of course, but I also learned that he talked to Jess, his sponsor, at 7.15 in the morning, and I learned to say, Harvey, so how'd you go with Jess this morning? And Harvey would tell me, which was very useful because then I knew it was about to hit me. <laughs> it was save some time there because whatever Jess had just done to Harvey, Harvey's about to do to me. Um, and then uh, I just go about my day, and and going about my day, over the years, I, I won't, won't say this happened immediately by any means, but it did happen consistently, and now it's pretty much just my habit. I do whatever God puts in front of me. If God wants me to clean up after a dog mess, fine. If God wants me to make lunches for the kids and get them out the door or take them to school, fine. If God wants me to uh, you know, do some project around the house, or if God wants me to sit and read a book, or if God wants... What I, just try, what I literally say at the beginning of every day in many forms, but the closer I do this, the better, uh, is God, whatever you want to have happen in my life today is fine by me. And then I go from there. I could go longer, but that's the big. Ba- oh, now I'll get to a meeting. Um, five days out of seven. And if it's a good week, seven days out of seven. I'll stop there.
2: Uh, thank you very much for your talk. Um, the question is about acting to higher power. Um, please talk about uh, your connection to the higher power, like if it built up over time, you have like a 50-moment response. I'm asking because my sponsor told me that in order to stay sober, you need to have like a visceral feeling of connection to my higher power that, you know, when loss also is that feeling the rest of your feeling, you know, that's at least equally as strong. And I guess I'm having trouble connecting to that, uh you wouldn't mind
1: I think I heard about 75% of your questions. So let me respond. And then if I'm missing something, just jump in. Um, I, I remember once Harvey said, David, I'm waiting for the time when you have a lust hit, a lust image, whatever, come up in your mind and uh, you want to vomit. You have nausea. And it didn't happen right away. <laughs> I can say that. Um, and it did happen um i got to a point where i realized basically i what i i haven't done this actually in quite a while so i'm glad i'm talking about it i realized that when i took a lust hit in <clears throat> i was drinking strychnine or cyanide but strychnine worked for me <clears throat> sorry about my voice <coughs> and um and i and i really do i i just right as it says in the big book we recoil from it as if from a hot flame uh, That took a while to happen for sure. And without sobriety, it definitely wouldn't have happened and working the steps. Um, So that's one part of the powerlessness. My experience over the years has been both in myself and in people I talk to in SA, that most of us are pretty comfortable talking about or admitting powerlessness. Uh, Most of us get really quiet when it comes to being honest about unmanageability. And that's partly because the most dangerous words that come into my head and any of our heads, in my experience, is the are the four words I can handle it, and I can handle it as a direct rejection of power of unmanageability, and and um, and so I I try to stay conscious, and it's very easy to tell, by the way, when I'm when I have some variation, <clears throat> on I can handle it in my mind or in my voice, either one. Um, because I'll become obsessing about it. Uh, And what I'm trying to do is overcome that internal message that's saying, David, you're lying to yourself again. (laughs) Oh, okay. And um, I just try to shorten that length of time between the I can handle it lie and then admitting the lie. Uh, The shorter the better. Um, The other thing that really has made a big difference to me, but I had an advantage that many of you might not have had. Um, I was raised as an atheist by atheist parents. And, and so when I came into 12 step recovery, I thought this is going to be a problem because this God stuff keeps appearing. But what I literally, this is literally what I did. I told myself, well, God doesn't make an appearance till step three. So I'll at least get steps one and two underway. And, um, that's not, it's literally true in the steps. It's not true in the text, of course. But anyway, um. So I was did steps one and two. Then my sponsor, who at that time was Harvey, and I think a lot of you know him. That's why I keep mentioning him. Um, Harvey did the most wonderful thing. He totally bypassed step three by saying, David, are you willing to work steps four through 12? I said, yeah. And he said, good, you're on step four. Do it. <laughs> and I've gone back many times. About two and a half years into sobriety, I realized that my father and mother's, but particularly my dad's, atheism wasn't working for me. It wasn't that I had ever rejected God coming into SA. I just found myself using every possible word but that word. And I, I sort of just let go. And I, what I had let go of was very simple. And that is, uh, I don't need to know what God is. I don't need to know whether God's real or not real. Uh, asking those questions throws me into a mental tizzy, and there's nothing to gain from it. So now I pray and I talk about God incessantly, as a lot of people would say. <clears throat> but what's really worked for me, this is where I was going with it. I had this image of this giant set of hands that are underneath holding me at all times. And my wife and I are in a little crack down there, right on this right palm. And every once in a while, we'll kind of crawl up to the edge and look over, which is terrifying. And then we crawl back to where we belong, which is down in that little crack in my right palm, or God's right palm, in my case and um and i just that's an image that works for me to just be held to be cared for to be safe if i stay inside the boundaries of, of the hands in this case so i think finding an image that worked for me uh really did and does to this very day make a big difference and i resort to it frequently it- willingness
2: i'll find that i have about Often uh, I think I've got a, a nice program, a good program, and I work the steps, and ninety-five um, percent uh, of the time. And there are five percent of the day where all of a sudden the willingness just seems to disappear. Where I don't have any energy to do it anymore. And all of a sudden, that lady walking across the street looks much better, or the desire to do a search, and I won't do a search for porn because that's not fine. But I'll go to YouTube and look to see maybe there's a woman in a bikini or something like that. And I have, a, I know I don't want her to do that, and I feel totally no willingness
1: at
2: certain points to just not do that. So I want to
1: One thing that Harvey taught me is that anytime time I'm my lost addiction is palpable to me. I feel it just as you were describing. It's just God trying to remind me that I'm a sex addict because I only am at danger if I forget it. And so what I've learned to do over the, and Harvey taught me this too, as a matter of fact, what I've learned to do over the years is what I call negative gratitude lists. It's not original with me, but any negative experience, like the willingness is also a disconnection, right? I'm turning away from my higher power. Um, and I use Martin Buber, by the way, as my source of images for this. And, um, and when um, when I when I have a lack of when my willingness to you know stay in God's hands, those hands I like to sit in or lie in, um, then um, I'm turning away. And, and so the God that I have and is you know I call it wrestling with the italics as we understood Him is in both steps three and eleven, and and nobody comes in with a higher power that's working for Him if they did we wouldn't know them they they might visit a meeting but they'd never come back and they'd be fine um so we are only a program for people whose relationship with their higher power isn't working and that's why we have these 12 steps to help us connect with a higher power that does work uh having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps is how we say it well anyway um i just come back to that my higher power, as I understand him, is never abandoning me. Sometimes he likes to knock me upside the head. And as, as Jess used to say, uh, I prefer that I learn the lesson from over on this side of the street rather than be hit with that two by four that's lying there in the gutter. And, and, I, and so I just uh, try to remember that any negative experience, like that lack of willingness, like being distracted by euphoric recall or images or whatever... Uh, that all that is is God trying to say, hey, David, don't forget, (laughs) or even more importantly, hey, David, I'm reminding you, and if I accept it, so what I literally do is this. Uh, I'll take your bikini because my entire bikini file opened up when you just said that. Um, (laughs) Thank you, God, uh, for my noticing that woman in, in the scanty swimming suit, which teaches me or reminds me that I need to depend on you and not look for solace in some outside image and that's what it is it has nothing to do with the woman herself of course it's what i want to do with it on the inside of me so i write i was told to write 20 gratitudes a day i probably do at least that many i don't write them as often as i used to i used to do it every day um and i do negative gratitudes all the time so that's one of the fundamental tools Can you
2: just repeat what the
1: magic like? well i have a different version for women But for men, it's, I surrender you, God, my right to have an erection and to be sexually responsive at all. And for women, I surrender you, God, my right to be aroused and be sexually responsive at all. Uh, So that's the two versions. I have played over the years. I've been using it over 25 years. And I've played with changing the words. And what I've come to understand is that changing the words just diminishes it. So I stick with those words.
2: Pretty, pretty amazing, hearing You speak with 30 years of sobriety. Um, hope we've we'll all reached 30 years of What do you see us saying 30 years
1: of society? Well, uh, that's a good question. I'll tell you why in just a minute. It's, I mean, it's a special question for me. Uh, first of all, I truly believe I live my life that I've never been sober more than 24 hours. That is not on my list of choices. Sure, I've been doing it a long time and all that. I've seen a lot of changes um nonetheless, the disease I have, I, either I don't act out today or I do. <laughs> or, I, you know, in AA terms, either I take a drink today or I don't. And, and so um, there is no other than what one thing that has changed. And, and I'm really glad for the topic of your meeting here um, is that I'm willing to use the tools pretty much right away. There's very little delay, and what that is is step ten: continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. And you know, when I came into SA, promptly was defined in terms of years and decades, and then over time it became years and months, and then it became months and weeks, and then it became weeks and days, and and hopefully promptly is pretty short most of the time. So um, that's that's where 30 years gets me, is I. Do things promptly, mostly because I'm tired of suffering. I don't want to go back. I can have, we tell people come into our program, we'll refund all your misery if you want it. Um, And I don't want to be, I don't want the refund. And then I really believe what you hear this mostly in AA, but it's, and it's equally true in our program. uh, We all know we have another relapse in our choices. We do not know if we have another recovery. And I don't want to find out.